Now that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. So, the Emmaus Road. This wonderful story of Jesus meeting and walking with two disciples on that first Sunday afternoon, Easter Sunday afternoon, a day of resurrection. And they journey on this journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which we're told is about seven miles. Sounds like a quite nice Sunday afternoon walk for those who enjoy a stroll in the countryside. In its full form, we only find this in Luke's Gospel. Um, in Mark, in chapter 16 and Mark, there's one verse that probably refers to the same event, Mark 16, 12. Um, but we only find it fully here 
in Luke. I, I find it a very beautiful story. Um, I find uh, there's many dimensions of it. Uh, this wonderful idea of Jesus walking unrecognized with his disciples is maybe something we can all relate to in different ways. Sometimes you know, we realize that the Lord has been with us, but we sometimes only see that in retrospect. But we recognize his faithfulness. It's a very beautiful thing to reflect on. There's quite a few things one could draw from this passage. I, I wrote a few down, and just to, things to or seed in your mind. We don't actually know why those two disciples were out on that road. Maybe they were just so disappointed and dismayed about the way things have turned out, they just needed to get out and have some air. Maybe they found being in Jerusalem with their brothers and sisters was just getting a bit too claustrophobic with all the difficulties and despair and hopelessness, and they decided to break free. I, we don't know. Um, but we, I wonder, you know, as I reflect on that, you know, within our own church communities, there's times where we feel you know, the best place to be is out on our own. Um, maybe that's what they were doing. We don't know. They were obviously clearly walking on the road and they were turning over, discussing what had happened, not making an awful lot of sense of anything. Um, they were obviously very much limited by their own human understanding. They expected a redeemer of Israel, the scripture says, but they only can see a Jesus who is both executed as a criminal and hung on a cross. Maybe this reminds us of the limitations of our human reason and rational mind when considering the things of God. As I said already, we could consider the Jesus who walks with them unrecognized. We could consider the Jesus who came to these muddled-headed men of little faith and instead of berating them and telling them off and telling them to sort themselves out, just draws alongside, gets into a conversation with them, a conversation where the word of God is at the centre and he roots them back in that. We could consider the fact that these men, after they travelled with Jesus on the road and he opened the scriptures to them, they felt their hearts warmed, the scripture says, and they felt they wanted Jesus to remain with them and they invite him to stay with them. Isn't that something, as people come to faith often, we feel our hearts warmed and we invite Christ into our lives. We could consider the risen Lord made known in the breaking of bread as we are going to uh, share a little bit later. And there may be other, many, many other things that occur to you in that passage. Um, and the only reason I list them out a little bit like that is, as you've heard those, or as you've maybe thought of something yourself, maybe these are things that you can take away yourself into your week and reflect on more deeply. But today we're having none of those. Today, I suppose, I just want to try and look at the question why Luke included this story in its fullness in his gospel. What is its central message? And for me, the two things that come out strongest are, first and foremost, that an Old Testament scripture Bible study by our Lord himself helps us understand how the Old Testament witnesses not just of a life and the death of Jesus Christ, but also to his resurrection. And secondly, obviously vitally important, is that encounter, that recognition of who Jesus really is, the living Lord. So just looking a little bit deeper at both of those, 
As I say, Jesus has very patiently walked with these disciples. These men of rather variable faith. You might better relate to that. But he speaks the truth to them in love. He says to them, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And we all at times need to hear words of truth spoken with love. We shouldn't berate each other with the word of God, but it is quite right that we correct and we speak to one another with God's word spoken in love. Even when that truth lays bare our ignorance, as Christians, as evangelical Christians, sometimes we can pride ourselves on our Bible knowledge. And that can be true with some individuals than others. Yet often the truth is that for many, the Bible, especially these days the Old Testament scriptures, remain a foreign land. And it is to this foreign land that Jesus points these wavering disciples, these rootless disciples. He doesn't really point to himself, but he directs them to the scriptures, but in turn point to him as the Christ. Despite the miracles and despite the healing, despite the witnesses of the women to the resurrection, these disciples had failed to root their understanding of what God was doing in God's word, in the scriptures. Instead, they preferred to try and rely on their own discussion and their own reason. Psalm 119 and verse 130 says, The unfolding of your words give light, gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I always feel a good way of approaching God's word is the recognition that for most of us we are simple and we approach God's word with that humility. The opening of the word gives us the light in which we start to understand what God is really doing in the world, what God is really doing in the resurrection, not vice versa. We don't figure it all out for ourselves and then expect scripture to somehow fit into some cultural model. Because sometimes we do that, don't we? We come to God's word and we come naturally with our own culture, whatever that might be, and we have a framework and a way of looking up things and we say, come on God, you know, fit in here because I'm happy with you fitting in with my view of the world. But that is upside down. That is upside down, back to front. It is God's word that should be informing and changing us. These disciples failed to understand what was happening because they were looking for answers in the wrong place, in themselves and from the world. So they were seeking, but they remain in the dark until Jesus brings illumination. In verse 26, he says, Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. So beginning with Moses, in other words, the books of the Torah, the five books of Moses, and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now we don't have time tonight to wonder about what those specific passages might be that Jesus referred to as he worked his way through the books of Moses and the prophets. But if you don't in your life as a Christian, have any grasp of how the Old Testament witnesses to the resurrection of the Messiah, then I would urge you to take some time aside and find out. For there are many scriptures that do point to Christ in the Old Testament. 
And it is to these scriptures that Jesus points his disciples. He says, read the Old Testament. Read, read this witness to himself. And why should we make the effort? I mean, sometimes as Christians, we do sometimes rather like and love the New Testament, quite rightly. But we do tend to stand obviously rather distant at times from the old because it's, again, culturally distant and more difficult maybe to, to recognize. But, but Jesus, as he comes on the road with these disciples and he opens these Old Testament scriptures to them, the disciples, in retrospect, recognize their hearts are being warmed. The Old Testament scriptures and the new, as the word of God for salvation, has the power to warm our hearts, to set us on fire if we are willing. Jesus opens the scripture to those disciples all those years ago, so his spirit does and continues to do for each one of us today if we are willing to just stand before him with the humility and the openness of heart and mind. The word of God is the manna of God. It is filled with the Spirit's power and it is opened and by doing so it sustains and feeds our faith. We starve without it. And let's not leave regular reading of God's word to others, but take up that task ourselves. As a pastor, I recognise that the absence of God's word in the life of a Christian is often a major cause for their faith to grow dry and dusty, becoming fruitless and withering on the vine. Now, I'm sure all here this evening, you've recognised the importance of reading God's Word. But I just felt it's so important. I just would encourage you to the Old Testament Scriptures as much as the New to read your Bibles and look for God in there. Not just as we do on Sundays, maybe mornings and evenings, as you might do within small groups or house groups or such uh, gatherings, but on your own. For you are never alone with Christ. There's a teacher in the room there for you. So that's the first point, the Old Testament, and how Jesus takes them to the Old Testament and how it fills them and and fires them up. There's a real impact of what he does in this Bible lesson he teaches them as they walk on this road. These disciples, as their spirits were being fed, their spirits were awakened and their eyes opened to recognize the risen Lord. It's almost as though their consumption of the word of God has changed them and given them the eyes of faith to hear, the ears of faith to listen, to see things and to listen to things that the world can never see, that the world can never hear. And this sets them on fire. This really sets them on fire. Remember, they've had a long day. You know, all of Easter has happened, right? And now they've walked seven miles off to this town. You know, they're going to be tired. They're going to be tired. It's been a long, harrowing day, a terrible weekend. They've walked all that way to Emmaus. But now, having met Jesus... They just have to tell somebody. They just have to tell somebody, even at risk to themselves, even regardless of how they feel and how tired they are. I imagine by now it's grown dark. It's night. The evening has come on. It's dark. We might think nothing of getting in our cars and driving seven miles to Ewhurst. 
that these men are going to walk back to Jerusalem on roads that no doubt would have been dangerous and any sensible person would have not walked upon them at night. But they've got no choice. They've seen the risen Lord. They've got to tell someone. So verse 33 says they just got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They didn't wait till tomorrow. They returned. They returned to tell the others who were there. He has risen. We really have seen him. It's common, isn't it? As people come to Christ, they often are filled with such an urgent fire that they want to tell others. You know, that fire is very much there within them. And yet we have to recognize as Christians so often something dampens it down and it can fade and smolder rather than burn. I think a major thing in this story, it reminds us how important God's word remains as a means for stoking that fire. A fire which is meant to be burning within each one of us. You probably know these words from the prophet Jeremiah, who didn't ever sound like the happiest guy in the world. But in chapter 20 and verse 9, he says, But if I say I'm not going to mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. A fire. A fire that urges us to share what we have received with others. The Holy Spirit enters our lives only in one sense to be asked to be let out again. But he might flow through us like the living water rather than becoming a stagnant, lifeless pool flowing through us. Jesus said, didn't he, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, in other words, he's referring back probably to Isaiah or Ezekiel, again to the Old Testament, stream of living waters will flow from within him. So for tonight, I just felt we'd, I'd leave two questions with us, us all. Will we stoke the fire of God, fire with God's word and allow the spirit to flow? Will we let God's word do what it is intended to do, all of God's word, to bring glory to God through our lives? Quite a lot of words. I have a slide, actually, I'd like to just show. Um, if the desk just could put that one up. Or do I click? Oh, lovely, okay. Um, I've got a few slides that are just a little sound bites, and they say the same thing in a much more condensed form than I've already said, and I just use this as a way of just closing and getting the point over. A Bible falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Yeah. If you're using your Bible and you're really struggling with your life and struggling with, but you're struggling with God for your life, then um, it's a well-thumbed Bible, um, but often God's strength and resources are there for you. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. Remember, it's through Jesus speaking the Old Testament scriptures to the disciples that they saw the risen Christ. But the word is a way to the person. I like this one. When in doubt, pull your Bible out. That's an easy one to remember. 
This one's a little bit more wordy, uh, but again, hopefully draws on the point. Reading the refreshing water of God's word will feed your soul, strengthen your body, renew your mind, lift your spirit, encourage your heart, and purify your whole being. The word of God is not just for our intellect. The word of God is there for all that we are, mind, body, and spirit. And God speaks to us in such a way. And I think this last one speaks for itself. A dusty Bible. Someone has inscribed upon it, read me. Just a few sound bites, maybe just to help remember. I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that you might continue to speak into our lives, both individually, but as a church community, and that we might be your people who have open eyes and open ears. Lord, we are often busy people. Help us put the first things first. For Lord, we seek to worship you. We came this evening saying we want to come and praise you and worship you. May we do so with all that we are in Jesus Christ. Amen.